Hi, I'm Jago Wynn, and welcome to the HDC Daily Podcast. We as a church are meeting daily on Zoom to speak to God in prayer and to hear from God in the Bible. For those of you who can't join us live or who want to listen again, we're featuring the daily Bible thought, and we're also including how we're being encouraged to pray each day. Today, it's Amanda Bell. Good morning, everyone. Uh, this is the penultimate HTC Daily on the epilogue of Proverbs, the woman of noble character. And this woman, she is so applauded, so venerated by the Bible that these 21 verses are an acrostic poem. So they all start with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the opening line is that this woman is worth far more than rubies. She is a treasure to be treasured. Um, And when I was younger, I used to find Proverbs 31 quite uh, intimidating because it was like this list of unattainable goals to be the perfect woman. But as I've got older, um, I found it challenging in the right way um, and also deeply affirming. And the context of this passage is a married woman, but I think it can apply to all of us. And the distinctive feature is a noble character. And the word noble can be translated as as strength, as virtuous, as an army, um, and also wealth and ability or efficiency. And basically this girl, she has substance. And she is not noble by birth or by looks or um, by, you know, academic qualifications, but by character. And the last time I talked on HTC Daily, it was about how God values our hearts first. And what we see here, as in the rest of the Bible, as in life, that your your outward life and values and actions will result from your inward life, your character and your heart, where you store treasure and where you are treasure. And in verse 11, it says that her husband has full confidence in her. And actually, this reads more accurately as he entrusts his heart to her. And this is a picture of right vulnerability in marriage and the safety and security that intimate and right relationships can give us. And whether we're we're married or not, we all need to be safe people who can be trusted. And we all need to work on our characters first. And the result of that is verse 12, becoming people who bring good and not harm all the days of our lives, consistently, faithfully, transparently. And did you notice the the present continuous tense of verse 12? She brings, rather like the marriage vow, to love in sickness and in health. She brings good. This is a present commitment and a future promise. And this woman of noble character, she does an awful lot. Wool and flax and commerce and trade and keeping house and loving her community. And actually the, the overflow of a sterling and godly character will produce people who are confident who are diligent and not proud, but just get on with it. And and I think that's what we see here. And there are principles of generosity. She is providing food beyond her immediate family in verse 15. And in verse 20, she is loving the vulnerable as well. And there's wisdom in finances in verse 14 and verse 16. And I find it so interesting that it's her earnings that enable a field to be bought. And um, quite apart from sort of gender stereotypes about who brings in the bacon, the Bible shows us an an integrated view of domesticity and work. Whereas we in our 21st century sort of compartmentalised lives, we, we like to fit things in boxes, don't we? And we say public is here, private is here, work is here, home is here. 
But the Bible talks about offering your whole life as an act of worship. And, and I think this shows letting your faith in God permeate every single area of your life. And when I read Proverbs 31, it, it, it reminds me of Paul's charge in Romans 12 to lay down our lives as an act of worship. And in that same passage in Romans 12, he, he lists the features of a godly life. He says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Honour one another above yourselves. Keep your fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Practice hospitality. Um, and as we read this passage and the passage tomorrow, I think you could see all of these traits in this godly woman. And this dying world that we live in, it needs godliness. It needs godly families, which is also what we see here. Um, and I'm not going to go off on some feminist rant, which I hope is a relief. Um, but it is true that the status of women in the world is often threatened. Um, and there's an excellent book called Half the Sky about the difficulties that women face globally. And I just want to read its opening gambit because it's quite striking. And it says more girls were killed in the last 50 years precisely because they were girls than men killed in all the wars in the 20th century. More girls are killed in this routine gendercide in any one decade than people were slaughtered in all of the genocides of the 20th century. And in this same book, it talks about the economic and social benefits of empowering women. And it says women's empowerment helps to raise economic productivity and reduce infant mortality. It contributes to improved health and nutrition, and it increases the chances of education for the next generation. And actually, those analytical truths about empowerment and its results are the biblical truths that I think we see in this passage. And sometimes as a Christian, speaking about the empowerment of women can feel a little, little bit like walking in a minefield. And um, we all have opinions in the church and we have opinions in our culture. And we have all the lies that the devil feeds us to contend with about femininity and masculinity. And I'm... Um, I don't think now is the time or a place for a discussion of gender roles, so I'm not going to say anything about that. But I will say this. The devil hates marriage. He hates Christian community and family and godly friendships precisely because they have the power to nurture, to restore, to heal and to bring forth life spiritually and physically. And our young people, they are growing up in this culture of lies about what it is to be a man or to be a woman. And at the same time, we have all these bombshell statistics like the one I just read. And closer to home in South London, we've had stories about Sarah Everard and the rape culture in our schools. And um, it's difficult to know how to respond. And I, I watched a film recently um, called Marriage Story about a couple getting divorced. And their marriage had been distorted by control and manipulation, where the Bible speaks of loving the other first and mutual submission. And in the film, the wife's character said this, I was so flattered someone like him would find something I said worthy. And it's, it's a kind of cultural trope to depict the battle of the sexes, isn't it? Whereas, you know, we, we know that God wants a, a healthy standard of marriage and that is the example that needs to be put out. And in Proverbs 31, halfway through our final verse, we see that the woman's husband takes his seat among the elders of the land. He is respected at the city gate. Um, and Tim Keller says this means that her achievements have led to her husband's ascension into a place of power and of influence, and there is no resentment. 
And in this acrostic poem, this pinnacle of Proverbs, the very final verse is, give her her the reward she has earned. Let her works bring her praise at the city gate as well. And, you know, there's no competition here. There is recognised respect and praise for both partners who are both co-heirs with Christ working together for his kingdom. They're both active agents in their community. And as the church, we, more than ever, we need to stand and to speak about being godly men and godly women. And we need to raise godly men and godly women who in their own time will take their own place at the city gate and please, Lord, bring about change. You know, people of character who will bring good and not harm all the days of their lives. Um, And I'm going to say amen and hand back over to Jamie. Thank you, Amanda. This morning we prayed against violence against women, uh, particularly in Rwanda, in the Congo, in the Philippines, uh, in the UK and in India. We also prayed for economic empowerment of women, and particularly in Saharan Africa, in Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan. And we also prayed for uh, women's education, for, for girls to receive the education that they deserve, Uh, We particularly prayed for the Yemen, for Pakistan, for Chad, and for Syria. And please do uh, pray as you feel led from uh, this morning's uh, talk by Amanda.